How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? What's the real truth about Citizen Kane? It'll probably turn out to be a very simple thing. Hello, everybody. We hope you're doing well. I'm Parker. And I'm Max. And welcome back to Better Than Citizen Kane, the highly subjective show where we look at a movie and ask the question, is it better than Citizen Kane? As always, if you like Citizen Kane, that's fine, because we're not here to hate on it. But when every movie ever made is a reasonable contender for the title of greatest film of all time, you have to wonder, better than Citizen Kane. So, come down from that monument, put down your boxing gloves and your bottle of alcohol, and listen close, because today we're discussing Charlie Chaplin's City Lights, 1931. Lovely. Very nice. Putting in the work today, Parker. Putting in the work today. That was a good one. dropped the ball one too many times. (laughs) No, that was that was wonderful. Well, very happy you. with that. Like, very, once very again, good. silent films, not really quotes that I can reference. Sure. Yeah. Like I tried to figure out a way to fit in like, you can see now? And yes, I can see now. Uh, I couldn't. Yeah, we're not really a visual medium, so <laughs> uh, you, you can yeah. hear now? No. Doesn't really doesn't really. So every time I say it, I may, I'm making it sound like the Rise of Skywalker quote. You can see now. You can see now. I can see now. I can see now. I think I think that'd be a better ending to the movie. This movie that has mm. maybe a perfect ending could have been, you know, could have been could improved have been by our stupid ass meme <laughs> reference. Just start. Uh, yeah, really good. good. Any good. film buffs out there are just so happy the way they're we thrilled. decide to talk I'm about so classic I'm sure cinema. they're stoked. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Glad you're all here. And as Max so eloquently put it, we are looking at uh, Charlie Chaplin's City of Lights, which I'm excited about. Uh, Max, you'd never seen this movie before. I hadn't seen this before. I'd seen other Chaplin stuff. Other Chaplin joints, if you will. <laughs> other Chaplin That's what he says. That's what, it, that's what shows up in the title before every movie. Is a cha- oh, is that cha- where, is that where Charlie Spike Lee Chaplin, got it? Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I don't think that's a good joke to make. Um, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> The joke is Charlie Chaplin calling his movies a joint. Yes. There's nothing... Okay. Anyway. Just explaining (laughs) that for anybody out there. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, No, I'd seen Modern Times, and I'd seen, Mm -hmm. you know, like, uh, Shoulder Arms, and... Sure. The the Immigrant, I think that's one of them, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd seen, like, a lot of those. Okay. But I hadn't hadn't really seen this... I hadn't seen this before. Um, And I liked it. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I was was curious to know, because I... Um, similarly, like I've seen, I definitely haven't seen all of Chaplin's work. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a hot, tall order to watch everything the guy ever made. Um, but I have seen most of like his features, at least like, yeah. you know, modern times, gold rush, uh, great dictator, great dictator, which I haven't seen yet, but I really limelight great tape. Great dictator is really good. That was, it was a split for me. I was thinking about that while we were watching this because I like City Lights a lot. Yeah. Um, and The Great Dictator is also really good. And it really was when I was suggesting picks for the lineup. Like, those were the two. I was like, I'd like to get a Chaplin in there and I don't know which one to do. So well, I we'll, think do, you, we'll do Great Dictator. I think you chose a good one with City Lights. Oh, good. Because I was looking, and again, who knows what the sources are on this. Mm. But I was looking at it and here is a list of every director who has said it's their favorite film. Mm. Stanley Kubrick. Andre Tarkovsky. It's one of Guillermo del Toro's personal favorite films. And at one time, Orson Welles said it was his favorite film. We, we got the crossover, ladies and gentlemen. Crossover. We got it. That's oh the Kane connection. Oh my god. There's Kane the Kane connection. connection. The that's Kane that, connection. That's that 80s, 90s sequel to Citizen Kane. Yeah. That connection franchise. with the K, too. Right. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, yeah. really cool 1993 really cool. <laughs> yeah i Good. love that's my favorite bit is to just come up with really bad citizen Kane sequels <laughs> in every decade yeah maybe we'll do a special episode like a bonus something sometime just a riff just, on that just riff on that that anyway. sounds like a good time. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's so wild. That's I, wild. I did not know. Yeah, that's the, crazy. Like three of the greatest, and you know, Guillermo too. I'm not trying to be, mean, yeah. but like three hey. of the greatest directors of all time, mm-hmm. widely considered the greatest directors of all time, have said this is their favorite film. Right, and that's that's why I ended up landing on this one is because, like, aside from just having a personal preference for it a lot, it's in like a lot of chaplain scholars consider this like this is the magnum opus this is like the best one um which i think i i agree with i think there's good things in all of them but like what i like about this one and i'll talk about a little bit more in the episode as we get into things like it's it's a nice it's a nice transitionary period Mm. for chaplain right because this came out post sound like there yeah, was pressure so, to make this a talkie, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. He so, thought it was a fad, so he was like, no. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the jazz singer, singer comes out in 1927, yeah. which is four years before this. And yeah. immediately everybody is demanding sound. Yeah. Um, and Chaplin was very, very nervous about that because he had built this entire on-screen presence as the tramp around pantomime. And like he had you know, honed his skill in that style in, you know, vaudeville and British theater, um, which is all very pantomime. And so he's very nervous about making that jump to sound. Um, And this movie is his last silent film. Um, Right. And even then, it's kind of, it's kind of a hybrid. Like there is no sync dialogue, but there is sync sound. Yeah. And like the orchestration, like little, Mm -hmm. um, I really liked the touch of like the horns being people's I do. I, I like I that. That's a fun it's a fun little, fun little, fun little. Yeah. Like and I don't, I, I couldn't, I, I tried finding it. I couldn't find confirmation anywhere, but I would be interested to know if there's any sort of direct link between that gag and uh, the Peanuts adults later on. The yeah. Oh, that's a very, that's a good I, I I tried doing some research on it. I couldn't find anything concrete, like connecting the two, but that was just Let's immediately what thesis. I thought of. Let's do a thesis. Do a research paper. <laughs> my hypothesis is <laughs> that's how you have to talk when you're doing a thesis i think so that's yeah. why i didn't go to grad school <laughs> yeah that's, that was into my entire thesis defense that was the just... insufferable part of that that's exactly like well it's my just... hypothesis <laughs> cinema is well, cinema i believe that cinema is <laughs> and ain't that enough <laughs> ain't that enough good night ladies and gentlemen cinema is anyway okay so city, city let's yeah, talk so... about your, your history with the film. I had okay, seen it before. So, I watched it and I liked it. What's your history? Yeah, so my history is, again, I keep coming back to this same I feel old bad antiquated, that I keep, like... <laughs> I keep making fun of you for it. It's not... It's cool. You can make fun of it. It's okay. it's it's worth making fun of. I could have I could have been making friends and instead I was doing this. <laughs> and now you're making movies. And now I'm making movies. So it paid maybe. off. Um, but uh, same old story you've all heard a million times and now I've just... I, checked out a lot of movies from my local library when I was like 12 and 13, um, had moved to Idaho, uh, didn't have many friends, was having a hard time fitting in. And so I just kind of, I was already naturally a very introverted person, but just kind of leaned into that a lot. And movies became a good outlet for that because I already had an interest in them. And I was like, okay, well, I've got a lot of free time on my hands and the library has this amazing collection of DVDs. And so I'm just going to watch stuff. And, um, I don't remember the first time. I like 
clocked who Charlie Chaplin was. I'm sure it was very early because like, I don't remember a time where I didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. Even if I had never seen anything, I was like, oh yeah, the guy with the, the top, it, the bowler it, hat and the mustache. It feels like one of those, like, one of those, like, kind of genetic memories or something. You yeah, know how, like, exactly. Like certain classical pieces that it feels like you just know from day one when you're born. Totally, totally. And like Chaplin, I, I similarly, like, I don't know when I would have first known who Charlie Chaplin was. Mm-hmm. Or at least see, known what, like, I'm sure there are people, especially as, like, the generations go on. I'm sure there are people who, you know, are, like, Maybe they aren't aware, but they've seen him. Right. He's like His iconography seems to be everywhere, which is yeah. kind of like, that's kind of the key difference to me between him and Buster Keaton. Personally, sure. yeah. I think I like Keaton's stuff a little bit better. Like, I think uh-huh. I, I like his gags and his physicality a lot, but it's really hard to deny just the iconography that Chaplin yeah. presents as a character. Like, Buster Keaton has... A look to him the way that like a lot of actors have a look to them but like chaplin created a character and an icon of like an, in a few brush like strokes yeah. yeah you can get the idea of oh yeah that's that's that guy yeah you know? it's a hat and a mustache right and you can add so, other things there but really that's all you need really exactly yeah. and um so i don't know the first time like i i got introduced to the idea of chaplin but i'd never seen any of his stuff like intentionally again probably saw clips i'm sure like again at the same time i'm watching lots of like behind the scenes documentaries about film history i'm sure i saw clips of stuff there too yeah um like distinctly i remember in the gold rush um the role dance that he does uh um, yes like that yeah. i remember i i'd seen ages before long before i ever watched the movie proper um i'd right. seen that clip and i feel like there's a lot of those like a lot of these bits well, i and even a lot of feel these... like some of the boxing scene in this i'd seen before yeah or like him yeah. in the you know him in kind of the locker room area like i feel mm-hmm. like i'd seen that image in some sort of montage before. totally yeah so you like I'm, I'm i'm sure i'd had an exposure to him at some point but around this time was the first time i was like well i want to i want to check this out and i don't know which one i watched first Um, because Mm. what they had was the library had, um, these box sets, um, that were produced by like MK2 or something like that. Yeah. That's the, Um, that's, I got, that's the DVD I watched. Yeah. 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 So it's like, it's like the stark white cover with like, uh, uh, you know, Chaplin separated from the background. It's just the figure and then like colored text and each one is like a different color. Um, yeah. If I hadn't already returned it, I would hold it up. Oh yeah. No, you're good. Um, but so I, I like, I think I just grabbed a few of those and realized, I think they had them separated, but like yep. looking at the covers, like, oh, these go together. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm guessing the first one I watched was either Modern Times or this. Yeah. Um, it, I didn't get to, I, I didn't get to Great Dictator until later. I know that much. But um, yeah. anyway, at some point I, I started watching Chaplin movies and I really enjoyed them quite yeah. a bit like they were just very accessible to me and i really liked especially because at this time i was on like a disney animation kick and just animation history in general and so much of chaplin is cartoon and live action form yeah like there's so much of that oh, yeah. um and so i just i really gravitated to watching through his stuff which then basically opened up the silent era to me from there i discovered buster keaton and harold lloyd and i just kind of branched out from there but chaplin was the end point for me. Yeah. Um, and somewhere in that time frame, I watched this movie for the first time and really loved it because I'm sappy and sentimental and a romantic at heart. And this movie is just aching. It's just really lovely. Yeah. 
It is. <laughs> did that got... did that sound loaded? <laughs> yeah, that, that sounded very loaded, actually. <laughs> it is. I it's really lovely. But I think in the same way that watching Casablanca, I was like, yeah, this is really great. Uh-huh. But it just did I wasn't connecting with it in the same way that are, I think are you, you were. Are you telling me that once again? <laughs> Max Benyon is having a hard time connecting with, with the grand romantic films of our time. Not, not even from our time. I just, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with me, Parker. I'm not even like, I'm not even in like a really bad place with love no. or anything. I just. Which That's because sucks. It's, it's this, it's Casablanca, it's Brief it's, Encounter, it's A it's, Matter of Life and Death. And Kind of It's a Wonderful Life as well. Kind of It's a Wonderful Life last year. Although there was oh, other man. stuff going on. I, I, I don't know. The track record's Something's at least wrong. you're consistent, man. Something's wrong, Look. which is so weird because I feel like in high school I was like, I'm a romantic. I'm, I'm a sentimentalist. I, <laughs> I grew up. <laughs> you, grew, you grew up. I grew man. up, Parker. You got I cheated. grew up. <laughs> no, it's a really lovely film that I was like four stars. <laughs> sure. When I yeah. think for a lot of other people, obviously it's five, four and a half. Um, I think I gave it four and a half. Yeah, you did. Oh, I I saw it, but we didn't oh. get a chance to talk about this. Since we no, we didn't. It. This we is didn't, all fresh. We didn't talk about it, so it's all new. All new. Um, um, how about you give the breakdown of City Lights? Yeah, yeah, I can do that. Um, yeah. Well, first, do you do you want to say anything about your history with Chaplin? I know this film is new, but like, I mean, you touched on it briefly. I to add. I didn't see anything until college. Gotcha. Um, I always okay. meant to, uh, but I never did because in high school, again, I was in high school. I was that guy that was like, yeah, I like movies, and then I didn't really watch any like film history. I didn't like start actively watching films as like an activity and as something that I like genuinely was like putting time and effort into and like finding ones that I wanted to watch, finding ones that people recommended. I didn't start doing that until like 2020, like 2019, 2020. So I, I, before that, I was just like, I like movies, but really that just meant like, I like seeing some indie films and I like watching blockbusters. And that was really That makes it. sense. Um, but yeah, so I hadn't seen Chaplin until college. And then the first one I saw was Modern Times. Um, nice. And Modern Times is really great. It is. Like, it's very good. And this is also very good. And his shorts mm -hmm. that I saw are very good. Uh yeah, that's it. That's nice. That's my history with Chad. Cool, cool. I think he's one again, like we were just talking about, just kind of wrapping up that thought of like I think another thing is like even if you haven't seen Chaplin before, you've seen references to his bits. Mm -hmm. Like I think I saw the role dance replicated in cartoons and in sitcoms. And like maybe yeah. another movie, like well. Uh Benny I... and June does it. Yes, that's the, yeah. exactly the yeah, movie. Benny, I was Benny and of. June does it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, wow. Nice pull. Um <laughs> nice pull. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um yeah so like i'd seen references to it before, sure and i'd be like what's that what's funny about that and my dad is like oh it's a chaplain gag and i'd go oh oh and then i didn't see modern times until i was 20 um but yeah so that's my history with chaplain cool cool well thanks for sharing oh thank um, you for asking of course uh so on to city lights <laughs> uh so uh the film opens with um a ceremony of sorts going on in uh the city what we can guess is New York. Um, and you've got this big pomp and circumstance of the unveiling of this statue. And again, keeping in context, like the historical place of where this film is 
sitting in film history. Like, uh, it is, it's a very tongue, tongue in cheek thing that like the opening scene, we immediately, people open their mouths to speak and sound comes up, but it's not dialogue. Like it feels yeah. very like wink at the audience ribbing from Chaplin of being like, I know you all want me to do a talkie, but it's not this one, yeah. but here's like, this is, this is my cheat. Like technically it is sync sound. Yeah. Well, and also he was really nervous about it too. He was nervous right. about it and also like, a, yeah, like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So but he was anyway. really resistant to it, but like it, that's kind of his compromise. And it's yeah. the first thing he puts out there. He's like, okay, we're going to have people that sound like kazoos when they right. talk. Well, and the title card calls it a pantomime film. Mm -hmm. Just so that yeah. people knew what they were going into. Right. It really establishes talking. that up front. They're not expecting it to be a talkie. So right. That followed by this is like, okay, this is what we're doing. Yeah, exactly. So you've got all these dignitaries from the city talking about the statue and they unveil it. And as soon as the tarp comes off, you see uh, Chaplin as the tramp just nestled in for a little nap on the lap of one of the statues. And everybody's very incensed by this because it's supposed to have meaning and importance and he is just you know a little street urchin essentially and they're yeah. like get down from there and they're, they're upset and he's immediately like what i find so interesting about this and i do think now that i'm thinking back on this this probably was the first one i watched because i remember thinking how good of a job it does introducing the character of the tramp to first time viewers because at this point the tramp character is established through several yeah. other films but it still treats this like an introduction. Like we yeah. still get to know his character in the next minute, yeah. just by the way he responds to things of like, oh, he's sleeping on the statue. He is, you know, he's- Stuffed uh, to tie his yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. He you know, keeps tipping his hat to people, apologizing. He's very like, you know, he, he is bumbling without realizing he gets his pants stuck on the sword of yes. the statue. Good at certain, physical gags. As, good physical as always, gags. Like really just had me laughing out loud from the beginning. There was one this time that I don't think I had registered as a gag before, and I don't know why. I think I was just either too young or just hadn't connected uh -huh. or whatever. But, like, at the very end of that sequence, he, like, walks to the other side of the statue, and one of them is, like, holding their hand up. Yes. And he, like, leans forward as he's talking to somebody, and it's it's that with the it's thumb under the, the nose. the thumb under the nose and the fingers in front of your face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's just lots of good little yeah. bits, and that whole thing is, like, a minute long. Um, yeah. But we get introduced to our character. We establish, okay, this is his place in the world. People don't like him very much, but he... It's not malicious. Like he's not like no. anti-establishment or anything. He's just no. he's just a little guy trying to make his way. A little guy. Um, and so he hops the fence and gets away from the police and all that. Um, and we track him through the city, and there's a traffic jam, and he sees a cop on a motorcycle in front of him, and he doesn't want the cop to see him. And yeah. so he ducks through a parked car, which is a very fancy car, and he comes out the other side and he shuts the door. And there is a flower girl sitting on the corner right by the car. And she says, oh, uh, would you like to buy a flower, sir? Or whatever. Um, and it's very interesting that, like, even then, the other thing that we learn about this tramp character is that he likes to sort of put on the import of being a gentleman, even yeah. if he isn't. Like, he's still in very raggedy clothes. But, like, when this girl starts talking to him, he kind of, like, straightens up. And he's like, oh, yeah. well, you know. <laughs> and... Um, he keeps like he's trying to pick a flower, but she isn't really responding. And then at a certain point, she drops one, and he goes to pick it up, and she leans down and is searching for it. And she's like, "Did you pick it up, sir?" And he looks kind of smug for a minute. He's like, "It's right here." He's like pointing at it. And this is like this is what I love about this movie and about Chaplin, especially, is there's such 
subtlety for silent film acting, which is kind of yeah. wild because so much of this is broad stroke pantomime, like really right. theatrical. But throughout this film, there's so many moments of like nuance. And this first bit is one of my favorites where he like looks down at her like incredulously and he's like pointing at the flower and then it clocks for him that she's blind and yeah. instantly his demeanor shifts and he's suddenly so much more gentle and so much more like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, yeah. and it's, it's really beautiful acting work from Chaplin, I think. Yeah. It's really great. Um, but what happens is really fantastic, like visual storytelling of as he's trying to help her, he gives her the flower back. And just then a very well-dressed rich gentleman comes and gets into the waiting car and the car pulls away. And she says, wait, sir, your change. Yeah. And just by that one, like that one action, all of like the dramatic tension of the story is set up that this blind flower girl thinks he is a rich man because she heard him come out of a fancy car, heard the car pull away and assumed that he left. Yeah. And the tramp instantly, like he stays quiet and he like tiptoes away as to not like reveal himself still there. Right. And I just think it's really ingenious storytelling. Like it's very ergonomic and very like brisk and like, okay, you understand the conflict, you understand the miscommunication. Yeah. And that sets up everything else. Well, it reminds me of that thought that I was I was reading this a month or two ago of someone arguing that like sound being introduced to film for for some people at the time and also some people are still kind of like in a lot of ways, film doesn't need sound in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. Film is a visual medium. Totally. You know, you don't need dialogue, you don't need that. And there's a question of, well, did sound make films less artistic and mm -hmm. less ergonomic in that way? Mm -hmm. Like, is is filmmaking with sound inherently worse than silent film? And I don't think that's true, but I think it raises an interesting point of, like, watching silent films, they have to. It's incredible visual language. It's incredible, mm -hmm. like, storytelling just from a visual perspective. Like, you don't have the opportunity to use sound in the way that other films after that point do right and so i right. think that city lights is a great example of that of like this is an incredible film and also that's what we talked about with metropolis too of like look at what they are still capable of achieving without sound even though nowadays people are like silent film that's like what is that that's half a right thing. like it's not half a thing film itself is its own art totally sound being added to it. anyways i just wanted to like bring that up because i felt i think your point kind of is to that of like yeah uh, yeah like this is great storytelling and it's kind of film at maybe it's purest i think so there's yeah right absolutely no i completely agree and i think there's some really great examples of that going on here um yeah. so we have that scene with the flower girl and uh ends on some all of these end on like a comedic button and she's yeah. like washing out her basin and doesn't know that he's there and tosses oh, yeah, and all the tosses water in his face. And yeah. he like very quietly tries to tiptoe away as he's sopping wet so that she doesn't know. Um, and then later that evening we cut to, it's so straight. I don't know why it doesn't uh -huh. make any sense, but like for some reason, my like 12 year old brain, this next scene, something about the set design always read as a rooftop, which doesn't make sense because it's water. Yeah. Like you would, it's very clearly yeah. like a harbor. <laughs> yeah. But I don't know, something, for some reason, I always thought they were like up high. Um, yeah. But we cut to uh, this little harbor section down by the water and there is a very disheveled millionaire who comes drunkenly, uh, drunkenly like stumbling in and he seems very upset and he's got a rope and he's got a giant rock. 
and he ties the rope around his neck and he picks up the rock and as he does the tramp comes waddling down the steps and he just like stares at him and the tramp just doesn't really clock into what's happening he just you know tips his hat and sits down and like brushy again these little these little mannerisms of like his little gentleman yeah he like he pulls out his dirty handkerchief and he like brushes off the bench (laughs) that he's gonna sleep on for the night yeah and then he like sits down he starts settling in and the millionaire it's like, I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to do it. So he starts tying the rope around the rock. And at this point, the tramp starts like clocking what's happening and yeah. immediately like jumps up and steps in front of the guy and stops him. And, you know, he, he makes some broad monologue. We don't hear all of, but like the, the title card says like, the birds will sing tomorrow. And he's trying to like appeal to this guy's sense of humanity. And then he tells him to buck up a little bit. He's like, yeah. be brave, face life. And the yeah. guy starts to cry and he drops the rock on his foot and he does, you know, the whole silent ow, 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 holding the foot. Yep. Um, but eventually the millionaire decides, no, I'm going to go through with it. And Chaplin's trying to talk him out of it. And he's standing right next to him as he does this. And the guy, the millionaire has way too big of a loop and he gets Chaplin as well as himself and his head ducks out by accident. He throws the rock and Chaplin just goes, yoink. It was so just, good. It's really it's, funny. It's really funny. He just gets woof, yeah. straight off the dock every, into the water. And every bit after this, during this scene of like getting bumped into the water by accident, mm-hmm. just really funny stuff. Really funny really stuff. Really funny, which... just the physicality and just the gag of like continuously accidentally. They just can't get the out. Water. They can't get out. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really good. Um, so they bumble around for a little while, and then eventually they both get out. And the millionaire says, "You've saved my life. Like we're friends forever now." And Chaplin's like, "Okay, cool." And he's yeah. like, "Let me take you home. Like we're gonna we're gonna fix you up." And so. They leave together and they go back to the millionaire's mansion where his uh, very sober butler is there and he does not like Chaplin at all. No, because he's he's a a tramp. Yeah, he's like, what is this bum doing in our fancy house? But um, the millionaire, when he's drunk, is very jovial and very whatever. Um, And when we get to the house, you discover that uh, he makes some comment to the butler of he's like, have you heard any word from my wife? And he yes. said, she just, she just that she's sending a car for the rest of her belongings. Yeah. So you establish, oh, that's why this guy is sad. That's why he is trying to uh, commit self-harm. Like that's yeah. where he's at with all of this. Um, right. And he gets sad for a minute. And then I think in this same scene, he like, he gets sad and then he grabs the gun from the desk drawer. Yes. And he's yeah. going to shoot himself and Chaplin wrestles the gun for a minute, goes off and they both freak out for a minute. Yeah. And then the millionaire is like, no, I like, you know, I'm going to embrace life. Like life is to be lived to the fullest. Let's go party. And so they just go partying at like 1 a.m. presumably. Yeah. And they go out uh, to a dance club with, again, lots of really good little bits um, strewn throughout. There is a bunch of streamers being thrown around and the tramp is eating a plate full of spaghetti. Oh, my God. So, just, it was so funny. It's really good. And he it's eats really it for good. so long. He eats it for so long, and then he like stands up and follows, <laughs> he it, follows upwards. it up. And it's so good. It's oh. really great. Um, and then I, I might be, I might be mixing these. No, I think this is all the same scene. Correct me if I'm wrong. They mm. go to a different party at somebody's house. Just following this. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it's just like an extended montage of them going yep. to places. They go to a house party. A bunch of people are there and it's it's i can't mention every gag in the movie because there's lots of gags no, but like but. this 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 one is funny to me yeah. where a butler brings around like a tray of what i assume is like cheese or dip or something and it's round and it's got like 
leaves around the edge. So it's like a yeah. star pattern or whatever. And Chaplin's like, no, no, I don't want any. And then the guy takes it away. And then somebody leans back against the chair who is bald and has a hat that looks exactly like the fig leaf thing. Yeah. And Chaplin gets a spoon and a knife. And he's like, I actually might want somebody. He starts like trying to take <laughs> stuff off of this guy's bald head. And the dude's like, what the hell? What are you doing? And then the butler comes back around when Chaplin looks away. And he's like, no, no, I don't, no, don't want any. <laughs> just, again, there's just lots of really good little gags. Yeah. Um, uh, one of my favorites is, I think, is in this montage, is when they're driving and Chaplin is like, he says, like, hey, can you, like, drive careful, drive more carefully? Mm -hmm. And the millionaire just says, am I driving? Am I driving? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just really funny. It's really and Chaplin good. has to, like, take the wheel. It's, it was, that was so, and again, like, that's just really funny. Yep. Uh, yeah, just good, good stuff all around. Um, so they come back. He after a night of partying, Chaplin gets the millionaire home safe, and he helps him inside. And right. the butler kicks him out, and so he's like, "No, right. you can't come in." Um, and so he leaves. Well, the millionaire says, "You can take the car, right?" Right. Yeah. He's like, "He's like, I like your car," and he's like, "It's yours. Take it. It's yours. Take have it. it." Yeah. And so Chaplin's like, "Okay, okay." Yeah. Um. So <laughs> he takes the car, and then um. I think. Is this, yeah, he, he, he spots the flower girl yes. and like rushes in. He's like, I need money. You got, you got money? Like, let's buy a bunch of flowers. And so the millionaire gives him a bunch of money because he's still drunk. Um, yeah. And he goes and buys a bunch of flowers from her and continues his pretense of being rich. Right. Because um, he has the nice car and he has the money. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I might have missed, I, somewhere in there, we might have cut to the flower girl's home life with her grandmother or yeah, whatever. I think so. Yeah. Um, just establishing that they're or whatever they're poor and yeah and just yeah. that you know she feels very she feels very lonely like her neighbor gets called on by a suitor and we see that right. she's like oh i wish that was me yeah you know, i was thinking about chaplin all this stuff chaplin buys a bunch of flowers he brings them inside at this point the um <laughs> the millionaire has sobered up and the gag is that when he's sober he doesn't remember anything about when he's drunk yeah so he doesn't know who chaplin is yeah and he's like what are you doing get out of my house like give me yeah. my car like yeah. and so chaplin is once again like non-plus and he's kind of stuck um but uh he continues to go and um do what he can because when he's talking to the flower girl um he knows that like he he, he starts visiting her mm -hmm. and um at a certain point there's a notice that's left <laughs> and it was my literal letterbox review there's a notice that the grandmas gets that says you are uh you are due to pay twenty two dollars in rent if you do tomorrow, not pay like by tomorrow. By tomorrow yeah. yeah, then you are evicted. Yeah. Which is four hundred and forty dollars in today's money, I yeah, think. Yeah, so even then, you know, because obviously <laughs> we can be like, God, twenty two dollars. It's like, well, maybe at the time. Maybe know? at the time. That's probably equivalent today. No. No. Today that would be equivalent to four hundred and forty. Yeah. And like I'm paying way more than that. Yeah, I'm also paying way more than that for a space that is smaller than the space that is shown on screen. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, getting that aside. Um, Chaplin finds the notice when he's going and visiting the flower girl and reads it to her and she gets very upset. And he's like, well, I'm going to help. Um, but he also, in either that same scene or scene before, a lot of these scenes are similar. I'm sorry that I'm getting, That's I might fine. be getting like, the hey, timeline slightly okay. mixed up. We're, we're hitting the beats, but... At a certain point, he's reading the newspaper to her, and there's an article about a doctor from Vienna who can cure blindness. Yes. And 
she's like, oh, how wonderful that would be. Like, that would be amazing. And he takes it on himself. He's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah. do this for you. I'm going to help. So he gets a job as a street sweeper, um, <laughs> which is kind of another funny little bit where he is walking back and forth and getting more and more frustrated as he sees like horses come by yes. because he's like, I just cleaned the street. Like yeah. I don't, I don't need shit all over the street again. And it ends with this really great button of just an elephant walking down <laughs> and him just like hands on the hips, just absolutely fed up, <laughs> but he's doing what he has to do. Right. Yeah. Um, finds out they're going to get evicted and he's like, okay, I'm going to work even extra harder. He goes back to his street sweeping job and the foreman's like, you've been late too many times. Yeah. Like you're done. You're out. And he's really upset because he's like, I need to help these people. Like, I need money by tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and right across the way is uh, a boxing house. And one of the boxers is standing and he sees this all go down. And he grabs Chaplin and he says, hey, you want to make some quick money? And so he basically works out with him. He's like, all right, we're going to throw the fight. Like, you're going to lose. We'll split it at 50-50. Just don't let the boss know. Like, we, obviously, like we can't be cheating. But right. So Chaplin is like, okay, you're not going to hurt me though, right? And he's like, no, I'm not going to hurt you. Like, you know, you just, we'll, we'll throw a few punches. You go down, like make it look real. It'll be fine. Yeah. Um, as they're getting ready for the match, uh, this guy who pulled him in gets a telegram that just says like, the cops are looking for you. Get out of town. <laughs> yeah. And so he just books it. He leaves and Chaplin is like, where are you going? Like, what's happening? He's like, ah, I don't care about you. I got to go. And he leaves and the, uh, the boss who runs the boxing matches is like, well, I, I need a boxer. And he ra grabs some random guy out of the hallway. He's like, you're big, you're burly. You want to, you want to make like a quick 50 bucks, which adjusted for inflation is like a thousand dollars. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, yeah. that's yeah. And so freelance freelance baby. Um, and so the guy comes in and he's huge. He's just this bulking <laughs> brood of a guy. And Chaplin again is, <laughs> It's something that's so funny to me about like his mannerisms, not because the mannerisms themselves are like inherently funny or something to be made fun of, but like the way he plays them and people's reaction to them are so entertaining. He's very effeminate. He's very flighty yeah. a lot of the time, but especially here when he's really nervous, he's just like, you know, raising his shoulders and, you know, cocking the head and crossing his legs and just like right. Begging this guy for mercy, basically, and being like, hey, we can be friends, right? And the guy is very, you know, doesn't yeah. know what to make of this guy. Um, and so he he leans over, he's like, hey, he's like, don't tell anybody. He's like, let's throw the fight. We'll split it. And the guy's like, no, winner takes all. Like, I'm 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 gonna beat you to a pulp, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and Chaplin's a little nervous about that. Boxers from the last match come in, and one of them gets in a fight with the big guy, and the big guy just clocks him and knocks yeah. him straight out. And Chaplin immediately is like petrified. He's like, oh my God, like I'm, I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, so they go into the boxing match and again, just really good physical comedy. Like uh, it's really, you can tell how much they rehearsed this. Oh, like it's yeah. so, it's so in sync because the fight starts and Chaplin is perfectly behind the referee yes. and like bouncing and following his moves. So the ref is between him and his opponent and they keep moving and keep moving. And every time his opponent moves the ref out of the way, Chaplin like gets a quick jab in and then they keep yeah. doing it and keep doing it. And this whole thing is just full of really great gags right. at a Getting certain the, point. The, mm -hmm. bell, the bell rope wrapped around his neck. Also just that every time, like when the bell rings, they like take a break. And then the minute uh -huh. the bell rings again, they get back to fighting. They get back so, up. And so when the when the rope is tied around um, Chaplin's neck, and so when he moves too far away from it, it rings the bell. Yeah, if he gets hit, he goes down, it right. rings the bell, they go back <laughs> to their the corners. Bell, he walks to his corner, it rings again, and they're back at it again. <laughs>
and just the quickness that jump between is really mm-hmm. great. Um, it's really, yeah, that's really a really good, good gag. Um, I loved also them going like being like counted out as one of them's on the ground and the other one's up. And mm-hmm. then the minute the other one gets up, the other one goes down. Yep. Yeah. It's good stuff. Um, and it's it's a really well paced fight because there is a part of you that thinks he's going to win. Yeah. Like you get to the point where he's like, oh, he's getting some hits and the guy's going down. Like he might just win by dumb luck, but yeah, he doesn't. No. He loses. He doesn't get the money and we are all very disappointed by that. And it's like, yeah. oh no, like that, that sucks. That's gutting. Um, and he doesn't know what to do and encounters the millionaire drunk again. And this time he's like, hey, hey, I need, I need money. Like I need, I need money. There's this, there's this person I need to help. Like just, you know, just, and he gives it to him. He's like, oh yeah, sure. Just take the money or whatever. In the middle of that, there is a burglary that happens. Yeah. And he almost gets robbed and the burglars get away, but one of them hits the millionaire over the head as they leave. And when the cops show up, uh, Chaplin's just there with a bunch of money this guy gave him and the guy doesn't remember who he is. Yeah. And so it's like, oh, he's the burglar. Right. Chaplin runs, he gets away and he runs straight to the blind girl and he gives her all this money. He's like, this is for your eyes. This is for the rent. Like you're, you're going to be okay. It'll be fine. And he tells her, he doesn't have the heart to tell her who he is. Yeah. Again, this whole time she still thinks he's a millionaire, but he just says, I'm going to be going away for a little while. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I'll, we'll, we'll see each other is kind of the idea, but you know, she's very heartbroken that she, he's leaving and all these things. And so, um that happens and then does the title card give any sort of i can't remember does yeah. it give like a timeline of this it's like nine months later something like something that like that Maybe yeah like it's a good chunk of time yeah it's a good month yeah, yeah but he's been just in jail for yeah. robbing um and then we cut back and he is in worse shape than he's been the entire movie like he yeah. was kind of he was kind of like a little rugged before yeah. But now like he doesn't have a shirt. It's just his it's just his coat buttoned up. His pants are frayed and falling apart. Um a gag at the beginning of the movie I forgot to mention that comes back here is he's constantly being pestered by like newsboys. Yeah. Like they just think it's funny to mock him and to make fun of him and berate him. Yeah. Um and these newsboys are again harassing him and it just so happens that well he goes he goes to the corner that the flower girl used to be on where she used to where they first met and she's not there. Yeah. He's like, well, I don't know. I don't know where she is. I don't know what happened. It's a big city. Um, gets harassed by these newsboys, and it just so happens to be on the corner of the flower girl's flower shop. She has an entire shop to herself now, and she's wearing much nicer clothes, and her grandma looks so much better. Mm-hmm. And she can see now. She got the surgery, and her, her sight is returned. And mm-hmm. she's watching all this happen, and before this you see a very rich gentleman come in and she like straightens up and is like oh is it him like and you can implying that she's been doing this every time somebody well off comes in trying to figure out like oh is this my mysterious benefactor is this the guy who was so kind to me and then they never recognize her or say anything she's like nope i guess not yeah um she sees chaplin getting harassed and is kind of laughing a little bit at his misfortune or whatever and um he sulks by the window and he stops and he looks at her and like instantly, like he's like, yeah. oh, it's, it's her. Yeah. And she kind of stares at him for a minute and starts to laugh. And she turns to her grandma. She's like, oh, I've made a conquest. Yeah. Like, oh, this this poor, poor little fool's fallen in love with me. And she offers him a flower because the one that he has is like falling apart. Yeah. Because he, he, he uh, leaned down to pick it up. Um, 
and he does like he doesn't even register he's just like so happy to see her um and at a certain point she's like no 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 and she she grabs a coin from the drawer and she's like look i'll give you money and the flower like you need that and he gets really embarrassed and he he goes to leave and she stops and's like no 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 please please like please take this and i'm getting a little teary talking about it. it's really lovely like she she hands, she, she hands him the coin and the flower and she stops and there's this close-up of like her touching his hand and feeling him because she's been doing that the whole movie there's a lot of like hand clasping between the two of them and her touching his face and his shoulder and like because that's how she's you know seeing the world at the time and she just stops because she she recognizes him and she reaches up his arm and like you know kind of gasps for a second she's like you and he just kind of nods his head and smiles sheepishly and he's points his eyes like you can see now? And she says, yes, I can see now. And then it's and they the just final stare at shot each other. is his face. Mm-hmm. Just looking happy as ever. Happy as ever. And that's it's the end. That's the end. I just, it's a really lovely moment. I don't know. Yeah, I think they're no. both acting the hell out of it. Oh, totally. And I think even Chaplin has said, like, that's his finest shot that he ever got. Yeah. It's like that, like, final reaction there's something there's something magical about it like there's yeah. this like subtle like laugh he does as he's like sitting there and he's all smiles but like his, his eyes are tearing up like it's just a really powerful like again talking about the full power of like filmmaking and cinema yeah. something about the close-up is yeah. so intense totally especially in like films that are shot in 4-3 because yeah. it just fills the whole space and just like i don't know there's just something magical about that last shot absolutely that i cannot put into words yeah so stop trying um stop trying this should be a silent podcast maybe then we'd be able to convey our our thoughts more ergonomically (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah that's that's the movie um not nearly as long of a wrap-up as some of these others have just because there's a lot more like dialogue and plot in other movies that we've covered but this is very simple it's a series of scenes put together um but yeah, I don't know. Like, I just think, I think this is, because later Chaplin movies after this, like kind of demarcated by the great dictator onward, he starts to realize, like I, I call it the mash effect, uh-huh. where you start with comedy and comedy gets you in the door, but what gives you staying power is like how you handle drama. And right. like the TV show MASH does that incredibly well, like basically invented the dramedy as like a TV series. Um, but Chaplin is so slapstick and so comedic and there's like, there's these underlying tones of sincerity and this one is very strong that way. But like from this onward, he starts to get very interested in like bigger ideas he can talk about as a filmmaker, like the great dictator is, I think we'll have to cover it next year at some point because it is a wild historical artifact of somebody who of a contemporary of Hitler who gets compared to Hitler because of the way he looks and just like the mustache. Yeah. Rather than leaning away from that, steers directly into the skid when it is very dangerous for him to do so. Like physically dangerous for him to be doing this, but he does. And like that point onward in his filmography, like there's a lot more seriousness. Like his last film is basically, he's playing a self insert. He's playing a character who used to be famous in vaudeville and has that, lost his is audience. Is that Limelight? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I'm really interested yeah. in that as well. It's really, I like Limelight a lot. But, like, the reason I bring it up is because this feels like a good demarcation of, like, it's the best of both worlds, sure. I think. You get the early Chaplin 
comedic timing slapstick comedy and you also get more of his like aching sincerity and his bigger ideas and yeah. his heart and i right. think this is just a perfect like amalgamation of those two kind of pieces of his career when you look at it in the broad big picture yeah yeah i don't know good movie. i have nothing to contribute to that <laughs> that's fair <laughs> but i agree that sounds very yeah yeah so i don't know i just think i like this movie a lot and i think that it it speaks to my sentimental sensibilities because oh, totally. i am a very i'm a huge sentimentalist and so like yeah it's not it's not saying something politically relevant like the great dictator or modern times is but i yeah. do think there's just like an aching beating heart at the center of all of this surrounded on all sides by some of the best comedy work of his career for sure which i just think is cool yeah and so now parker mm. i don't know i've suddenly it's felt a lot more like i'm asking your opinion and i'm not i'm oh, still yeah. involved in this but <laughs> parker as, as as someone who's so knowledgeable on all of this oh, um, uh -huh. or at least you know knowledgeable enough to talk about it unlike me who's like yeah it's good i have Man, no context good. for this in his career sure <laughs> but um think it's time to talk citizen kane i think so i think um, so this movie has made the afi a few times the you know mm -hmm. um sight and sound the bfi a few times um it is widely considered one of the greatest films of all time mm -hmm. um i don't know where it currently sits on afi compared i'm to not the... sure mm. well would it be afi um i think it would i think been... so not Pause, everyone. Mm, I know earlier I said I, I put the work into this. I did. Uh huh. But no, you didn't. You didn't put any work into this. I should right. have known. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> uh... Yeah. Do let me know what you find because I'm curious. Because I, I know I I know for a fact it was on the list. I don't know if it is anymore. Right. But it was at a certain time. Let's see here. Well, does it? Does it count as, a, as an American film? Yeah, it does. Of course it does. Yeah, yeah. It's no, currently at 11. Okay. The 11th. Yeah. Um, between The Searchers and The Wizard of Oz. Gotcha. So. So fairly high. Yeah, whereas Citizen Kane is still at number one mm -hmm. of the 100 greatest American films of all time. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of its context. And this is what? 11 years before Kane? Because Kane's 42? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Wow, you sounded confident. Well, forty-one. Single, excuse I, me, it's ten years. It's ten years. I see. I I, I wanted to say forty-one. I was like, I'm always wrong. I always no, no, get you're it right. Wrong. It's forty-one. Yeah. So ten years, exactly ten years before. Exactly ten years before. Which, we'll talk about this a little bit. I think with like the historical criteria, but kind of wild to look at like that ten-year gap of filmmaking <laughs> to go from this to Citizen Kane. In when like years. if yeah if you try to compare something from like 2011 to 2021 like they're not gonna be that different you know yeah well i mean and then you think like again we're just throwing this out there we haven't talked about the movie yet sure but you know city lights in 1931 citizen kane in 1941 singing in the rain in 1952 yeah an insane two decades <laughs> for film pretty you wild know, stuff with singing in the rain obviously being about kind of that city lights era. right yeah um mm -hmm. but yeah like just you know that 10 years between city lights and 
it's obviously yeah. a huge decade for totally for film history. Uh, it's kind of so, wild to think about. Yeah, it is. And let's think about it in silence for just a little bit longer. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, take a second. Everybody, just yeah, I'm gonna just of sit in that for a minute. Hmm. Think about that ten years. <laughs> Anyway, um, uh, criteria, criteria then? Yeah, let's okay. do it. His historical and cultural relevance. Okay. I think, once again, these movies that are before Citizen Kane are tricky in that they are yeah. so long ago that they had they definitely shaped film, but mm-hmm. we might not be seeing it as much. Right. Days, so, right? yeah. This one's interesting, though, because it's kind of... It's kind of what we were, hear me out. Okay. It's kind of what we were running into with Puss in Boots, where we're like, oh, there's interesting <laughs> stuff going on. Hear me out. <laughs> yeah. There's okay. interesting stuff going on on a technical level for animation, but like that really kind of goes to Spider Verse, right? right? Like if we're if we're making that pull. And I feel the same way about this, where I'm like, I mean, more people on the street are going to recognize who Charlie Chaplin is than right. Citizen Kane, mm. but does this film have enough of like the iconography or does that come from other places? Right. Like again, Chaplin himself, I would argue his, his career as a whole might be more historically and culturally significant than just Citizen Kane. Right. Cause it's not, it's not like, and it's not like this film is the one that introduces the tramp character. No. Like if you had that poll, maybe you could make a, a stronger argument of like, oh no, this is where an icon begins. Right. But you could say that this film, if you consider it the peak of the Tramp character mm-hmm. and of Chaplin's silent era, and if you consider it coming out in the sound era and mm-hmm. still holding its own, right? you could argue that this, I don't know. Well, no, that's, that's a good point. Cause what I'm looking up right now, cause I, I think I might be right on this, but I don't actually know, and I don't want—I uh-huh. don't want to make a poll if I'm not right. But I think, I think this might be his last appearance as the Tramp. I think he might retire, like for right. for all intents and purposes, he kind of retires the character after this. There's a version of him that exists in Great Dictator because he plays two parts in that. He right. plays the Hitler character and he plays a yeah, Jewish looks, barber right. who looks like the Tramp. But he's always been very adamant in his writing and in interviews that he's like, the tramp never speaks. The yeah. tramp as a character cannot be vocal. And he talks in The Great Dictator. And so you could make the argument of like, well, that's not the tramp. same character he's been playing. Right. So I want to see if there's anything after this. Okay, right, Modern because... Times is after this, okay. which is still which is still the tramp character, I think. Okay, so, and I would say that Modern Times is significant enough that I wouldn't say this cements the legacy. Right. I mean, no, I would agree. Which of those two films shows up in the 2019 classic Joker? It's modern times. (laughs) Modern times. (laughs) Oh, man. But yeah, it's close, though, because it goes City Lights, Modern Times, and Great Dictator. Right. And Great Dictator is the demarcation line of, okay, it's over. We're doing talkies. And and this is the character. Here's my argument, because this is Mm. what I can speak to. Sure. Because I've seen Modern Times. Mm-hmm. That's the movie they showed me in, in film school. Mm-hmm. Okay. To introduce me to the Tramp and to introduce me to Ch- Chaplin. Obviously, that might not be the case in every film school. Sure. But in my personal experience, 
I think that, and also just historical relevance, mm-hmm. modern times, like you were talking about, has more of the big idea kind of social commentary. Right. And obviously there are other ones. And there's a bit of that in this too. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously City Lights might be a lot of people's favorites, or like mm-hmm. favorite of these. But I think I'm giving the point to Citizen Kane just because yeah. I don't think I can say that City Lights cements the legacy of the Tramp nor introduces the character. Sure. So, I don't know. That's where I'm at. What do you think? I can get behind that. I think okay. I think that's fair. I think and that Citizen is Kane a... is Citizen Kane. That's... And Citizen Kane is Citizen Kane. Right. <laughs> Citizen Kane of films. Oh, my God. Um, uh, how well is this movie doing what it's trying to do? Very well. Yeah? Well, I'm going to let you speak on that point. Because um... mine is very much tied into the third criteria for me. Yeah. yeah. I... I think it's doing very well what it's trying to do. Again, that mixing of sentimentality and comedy. I think it is equal parts a comedy film and a love story. And it Mm. feels like the pacing is such that it feels 50-50 between those two storylines of here's all the comedy stuff with the millionaire and then here are the quieter scenes with the blind girl which still have like good comedy bits. Um, yeah. Especially like, one last quick gag shout out, which is yeah. she's asking him to hold the yarn so she can make it into a ball. And she grabs a thread off of his shirt and he's too yes. polite <laughs> to say anything. And so she just pulls the entirety of his shirt out without yeah. realizing it. It's a good bit. So, it's a good bit. Really funny. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I think it is doing very, very well what it's trying to do. Um, I do think it's weird because like I was noticing myself this time around, it's still like a brisk, like 86 minutes or something like that. Yeah. But there was still a little bit in the middle that I kind of found myself checking out slightly. I agree. I yeah. I felt that kind of the drag a little mm-hmm. bit in the middle. Yeah. So like, it's not, it's not flawless in that regard. Like it does, it doesn't, it doesn't keep things moving as well as maybe it could, but that kind of starts bleeding over into my third criteria because I'm like, well, do I like, like, cause I feel that way a lot during Citizen Kane (laughs) where I'm just like, okay, yeah. All right. Cool. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I, but we're not, let's, let's let's just say city lights alone, not comparing it to, what our experience of Citizen Kane is. Okay. Real quick. City Lights, what is it trying to do? It's it's trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. It's trying to communicate like that sentimentality and the relationship with and the feeling mm-hmm. that, that the tramp has for the blind flower girl. Mm-hmm. And what else? I don't know. I mean, again, I think, it's, I think it's that's a, it. Like, I think that's what it's a very to. subjective thing to be like, what is a film communicating? Right. Well, I don't know. Everyone's going to. And I think kind of blurring the lines a little bit between some of these criteria i think another thing that it's trying to do is keep the tramp relevant in a society of talking pictures which which i think it does do well like and i i I watched i watched a little documentary about it um in prep and like they were talking about how it was very well received when it came out like he was really nervous that people were going to turn away because it was still a silent film Right. And they still came out in droves and still loved the film. And so I think that was like, as far as something he was trying to engineer from the ground right. up, like I think it's successful in that regard but as you well. you can't say for Citizen Kane. No. People didn't love Citizen Kane. People when that did came not out. love Citizen Kane when it came out. 
for the sake of brevity, I'm just gonna say let's give it to um, let's give it to City Lights. Okay, go great. one and one. Okay. You good with that? Yeah. No, absolutely. Cool. Okay. All great right. Criteria. What were you gonna say about this? Because you, you well, said you I, again, it's it's my thing. It's just my weird little thing where I don't mm -hmm. apparently sentiment really <laughs> sentimental grand romance films from the past mm. don't work for me. Sure. So for this, I laughed quite. I I laughed quite a lot. Mm -hmm. I had a good time. I see what it's doing, and I think it does it well. Mm -hmm. um, I did not shed a tear. Okay. However, I did feel nice at the end. Okay, that's fair. So there you go. There you go. How did you feel? How does this movie work on you? Uh, I think it works fairly well. Um, I think I didn't shed a tear, but I did get a little choked at the end. Yeah. Um, just that lump in the throat, but didn't 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 cry, didn't tear up. Um, uh, I laughed a lot. I laughed a lot more than like, because it's probably been, I don't know least four or five years since i've revisited this it's been a minute um yeah. or maybe was it sooner i don't know i'd have to check letterbox maybe it was sometime in the last three but um like i was i was surprised at how many of the gags landed for me mm -hmm. like because sometimes you watch silent films and silent comedies and a lot of the humor doesn't work sure. it's either aged or doesn't read and it isn't quite like landing. And I feel right. like a lot of this did. Um, so like as a comedy, I think it's working really well. I think as, I don't really care about the romance between the two. Like if that makes sense, right. like there's not a whole lot of chemistry there, but yeah. what I am draw to is like the inherent sense of humanity of people looking out for each other. Like that's what gets me at the end is just right. like, two human beings connecting because of a kind act. Like right. that's what I'm invested in rather than like, oh, they're in love, you know? Yeah. So that's my thought on that. Okay. Um, so does it make you, what's, how do we word it? How do we word the criteria? It's... This was like um, personal, like, does, do you connect with it on a right. personal level? Right, are you level? connecting with it on a personal level? So do you, I imagine you do connect with this more than you can. I think so. Okay. Yeah, I'd say so. But it is, it's, again, one of those of, like, kind of splitting hairs a little bit. Yeah. Whereas so many of the other ones, we like, especially in, like, recent ones, are so cut and dry. Like, I would much rather watch Lilo and Stitch any day before, <laughs> like, I'm going to sit down and pop in Kane. Yeah. But I'm also not, like, ever chomping at the bit to be like, man, I really, really want to watch City Lights right now, you know? Right. Like, I feel like I, I would reasonably watch these in a similar, at a similar rate. Or, like, a similar... Right. Um, I can't think of the word, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's splitting hairs, but I think I, I think I fall more that I like this is more my kind of movie than Citizen right, Kane is. Right, and that's where I'm at too. Like this is still yeah. more my kind of movie than Citizen Kane. Okay, so I think I am gonna our, say yeah. Okay, you you take it this time. So our our subjective our subjective ruling would be that City Lights is better than Citizen Kane. Do we need do we need to take a step back and ask the the big question again, like we do have to do sometimes? I think it could be. I think it might be. I think it might be. It's it's splitting close. hairs. It's close. Like that's the thing. Yeah. It's like I I could see it going either way, right. honestly. Because this is this is one of those that has 
it, it, like what I've discovered over the last like six months of doing this is yeah. that like where it usually lands for me in the broad question is kind of like two pieces where it's like, okay, is it just a damn good movie? Like, is it well right. made? In the same way that like we landed with Puss in Boots being like, I object, like I can strongly say, I think this is better because I think it is a better crafted story and a better crafted film. Right. Even if it doesn't have like a historical significance or it has to be something that's so much of a juggernaut. Like yeah. aside from Jaws being a really good movie that I like a lot, it also is such a huge moment in film history that also like gives it that objective view of like, no, this is right. better than Citizen Kane. Yeah. So this one is like an even split between those. Yeah. Where it's like, yeah, I think artistically and creatively they are about on par with each other and how they're doing what they're doing. Because again, even like, it's not as flashy or as pioneering as Citizen Kane is, no. but like Chaplin is still on the cutting edge of like film language. Oh yeah. Of like the grammar of film of, you know, the Kuleshov effect of like implying what somebody is looking at by cutting to another shot and like, there's dissolves in this movie. Like in the middle of the boxing match, he gets hit so hard that he thinks his trainer in the corner is like the blind girl. And he starts yeah. like kissing her hand. Like he's playing around with things that are brand new for the time. And he is paving the way. Right. So like they feel on par with each other on that regard. And then in like a historical context, it's like, yeah, it's a Charlie Chaplin movie and it's one of right. his best. Yeah. And Citizen Kane is Citizen Kane. So it is, it, it, it's such a coin toss. I think. It is. But I think, I think I am gonna say City Lights can can go above. Okay, I think I think I can the, I think the, I can land on, on that as well. On the on the objective, not the objective, just like that. Yes. Better than the official, better than Citizen Kane canon. It can go above it on the on the list. I think. I can get behind that. Okay. Uh, you say right. it. You say the the final the final <clears throat> the verdict. City Lights is better than Citizen Kane. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. You heard you heard it here first. No one's ever said that. <laughs> no one's ever said There's that. There's no way to know. There's no way to know. <laughs> well, anyway, um, that was a good one. That was I'm fun. super excited for the next episode. Oh, my God. Because, okay. everybody, if you don't know, this podcast is part of the Odd Brothers podcast uh, division. Yes. If you will. Um, <laughs> and our sister podcast is Mind Over Mattel. Mm -hmm. Where our friends Will and Rio are are they're going to come back? Yep. <laughs> at some point, um, yep. they they are going through every. They, they were they were traipsing through Europe for a while, but they're they back were, now. but they're back now. They're done with their little uh, dream trip, and they're mm -hmm. back to the dream house, if you will. Yes, they're back to the dream house. Um, so they're going through every Barbie movie, mm -hmm. and we thought, what better way to do our first full crossover between the podcasts than to ask the question. Is Greta Gerwig's Barbie 2023 better than Citizen Kane? And we don't and know. And we yet. got some guest stars. We, we got some guest Rio stars. Coming we got in, Rio coming and in. It's gonna be so much fun, you guys. It's gonna like, be really I fun. I genuinely cannot wait. It's it's yeah. gonna be a blast. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm very excited. We're on the cutting really edge of, of cinema history right now. Absolutely. <laughs> Great. Uh, well, look forward to that uh, yeah. in a couple weeks. That'll be Ooh. really fun. Well, thank you as always, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye.